Morning, team. Morning, legends. Uh, happy Tuesday to you. Hopefully, you're all having an absolute cracker. Uh, this is my last one for the week. You're going to be joined by the amazing Sammy Saggers uh, from Wednesday through to Friday, uh, which will be super cool. Uh, but it's me for today. So uh, let us know that you're about. Let us know that you're up and about. Uh, oh, there's a few already kicking in, which is awesome. Uh, good to see you guys in there. Beck, great to see you. Good morning. Uh, we've also got Tim. Good morning, mate. Great to see you. Um, Alison, always great to see you. And uh, and Julie, there's a few straight off the ranks. So, mate, thank you for uh, or thank you all for jumping on so quickly. Let's get active in the chat over the course of the day. I'm going to take you down a little bit of my world in the investment world for many of your superannuations and uh, things like that outside of the world of property investing. Uh, what I'd love to do is bring the last three conversations back home uh, that they make sense for you and how that applies to you in your life. Uh, let's avoid all of the the crazy talk about the, the world uh, ending because if it does, we're not going to know the difference, right? Um, as I said, if you fully believe in the conspiracy theories of all of the banks and everything blowing up and the whole world going to pot, um, then holding gold bars is probably not going to serve you that well. It's probably holding baked beans and shotgun shells will probably do you a little bit better. Um, so uh, so anyway, gang, I'm going to chat with you a little bit about uh, what we call a 60-40 uh, or why defensive portfolios haven't actually performed well when you need the defense in the defensive portfolios. Uh, and I'll give you a hint. It links into the conversation that we've had over the last few days. Danny, Jeff, great to see you guys. So whack it in the chat where you're coming in from. Love to uh, to know if you're new. If you're new, uh, whack a new first-timer. Um, or if you want, say, long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, not that you're calling in uh, at the moment. Uh, so, team, the the what I'm going to cover off on today is really a bit of an education piece around uh, defense and uh, uh, and growth, or depending on what you want to call it, right? There's a few different names, but we've got defensive assets and growth assets, typically in the world of investment. Um, and if you want, whack it in there. G'day, Luke. Uh, let us know what uh, you think a defensive asset is, right? Be really interested to know. Whack it in the chat. chat. Uh, what do you think a defensive asset is? You know, what, what would you call a defensive asset? Um, now, think outside of the realm of uh, straight property, right? Uh, outside of the world of straight property. Um, because uh, there's a few things that go out there, and actually I could chat ad nauseum about this and might come back and talk to you about the uh, the various different... Um, uh, Various different. I'm I'm assuming, Mark, is that is that meant to be a uh, defensive asset class? I'm not even sure of what that is. Um, somebody might be able to enlighten me. Um, so we've already got some coming in here. Julie says uh, cash and gold. Um, so yes, people would call cash a defensive asset. Um, some people say that gold's a defensive asset. Doesn't necessarily behave like a defensive asset all of the time. Um, what's this from a low-performance a low asset, says Tim? Maybe, maybe, actually, and, that, and there's some hints in what I'm saying. Um, 
<laughs> and, uh, and Jeff, Channel 7 filming at Customs in Brizzy. Uh, absolutely hilarious. <laughs> so um, so typically defensive assets, uh, uh, well, let me bring up my other screen here for you guys. Uh, typically defensive assets uh, are going to include, uh, yeah, cash. And many of you know what Jason says uh, cash is. And we believe money is designed to circulate. Sometimes strategically you can hold a little bit of cash, but mostly cash is trash. It very rarely works for you. So cash term deposits, TDs, right, slowly getting a little bit more value for money in the TD sector. But what are we getting, you know, fours to fives uh, potentially? Uh, What's inflation running at? Seven to eight percent. So you're guaranteed to lose money in that as far as the purchase power. Um, But what else are we looking at? We're looking at bonds, otherwise known as fixed interest. And now bonds and fixed interest, uh, the reason why it's fixed interest is that generally uh, well, the interest doesn't necessarily need to be fixed, right? You can have floating interest uh, on these things, but um, typically these instruments have an interest rate that is uh, either a fixed interest rate, meaning if you hold this government bond, you will get 5% per annum uh, every year for however long the bond term is. Uh, or it might be a government, a semi-government bond, so a state government bond. Or it might even be a corporate bond uh, as given by, you know, the, the banks of the world, uh, right? So, or other companies could be BHP. Uh, so fixed interest bonds, these are your typical, uh, what is known as defensive asset classes, defend. Um, now, if uh, is there anything I've missed? Cash, TDs, bonds, fixed interest. In the fixed interest world, there's a hell of a lot more. There's floating rate notes, which are slightly more aggressive defensive assets, and we've got credit. But when you start to get into this world, it starts to come over the barrier and is starting to go into the world of of what we'd call growth or aggressive assets, right? And this is important to pre-frame what we're going to talk about because many of you will have superannuation funds. You might be noticing this dynamic right now. Uh, right, so then we go into the world of, well, I'll go into red, aggressive. Right, so what, what are the characteristics before we do of all of these uh, types of defensive assets? Well, they have interest rates, high probability of, of money give, being given back to you. With bonds, they get borrowed from the government, so there's most, it's, it's basically guaranteed. Well, it's guaranteed by the government, right? Um, so the government has to go under in order for the bond not to get paid. Um, so there's a high degree of probability these things get paid back, but there's generally a low interest rate attached to them. And the interest rate is largely dictated by what the cash rate is, cash plus, that's what we call it, cash plus whatever the risk margin is. Now, with the government bonds, very low risk, so you're going to get cash plus a tiny little bit um, or basically the cash rate, right? Um, if you're looking at corporate bonds, right, so higher degree of risk, you're going to get a higher degree of compensation generally for holding that. So typically these are a loan type of um, arrangements, right? So that's that's the most common theme. And they're known as defensive assets because if you hold them to maturity, and here's another key, if you hold them to maturity, then you'll get all your money back uh, plus the interest rate. So then we go into aggressive assets. What are they? Whack it into the chat, participate. I'm going to put them down here anyway. Shares. 
otherwise known as stocks, otherwise known as equities. What's the difference between the three? Absolutely nothing. Um, They're exactly the same thing. There's just because it's financial market terms, we think, well, let's just give it three names in the same language (laughs) instead of one. Crazy, um, right? That's just the way we roll. Make it nice and complicated. Um, Shares. Property sits in here, believe it or not, when it comes into uh, diversification models. So uh, property is known as a aggressive or growth, often known as growth. Uh, so shares, property, we've got uh, then a, a myriad of other types of investments. So the shares can be both domestic, domestic and international. Uh, then you've got hedge funds. Uh, we've got different types of futures models. We've got commodities. Commodities, and guess what sits in commodities? That's right, jewels. Uh, it's actually known as, whoops, sorry, that's off the bottom of the screen. It's known as gold. Gold is a commodity. So what are the typical attributes uh, of these types of investments? And I know many of you are in the property world and you're going to go, well, property is not volatile. Well, it is, and there's different types of property that you know are volatile. It's just that it's not sold daily, so you, you don't see the volatility in the market. Um, but the pricing of it can be volatile. And there's something that Jason and I will dine out on. I saw some incredible um, puffery articles in the in the Fin Review. So when Jason's back from his sabbatical, we'll uh, we'll be talking about some of these articles that you've read. You might have seen the you know, property failing uh, in, all around Australia. Yeah, really interesting stuff. Be interested to find where their research comes from. Anyway, um, so what's typical of these types of investments? Well, typically. These investments have growth, uh, the higher degree of potential for growth. They also have higher degree of potential for negative returns, uh, right? They tend, they tend to have a large degree of volatility, so their price movements can be quite significant, right? And that includes in the upward direction, uh, but it also includes the downward direction. And I'm using the wrong colours for the wrong directions here, but uh, you can see here, uh, if that graph started there, it would be a very different story, wouldn't it? So they also tend to have an income profile. So they have a mixture of growth and income. And this is a really key thing. So uh, a share can go up in capital value. So you might buy a share for $1 and then it goes up to $2 for the share. So that's 100% profit that you've made. Uh, But in the meantime, it might distribute um, income to you by way of dividends. Property increases in capital value and pays rent. International shares tend to pay less in dividends but grow more. Hedge funds can produce um, income via way of a covered calls type of a strategy. Commodities tend to be uh, mostly just growth related. You you don't tend to get an income return unless you invest in the underlying company. Um, So typically growth investments grow but they also give income. So here's a question for all of you and I'd love you to know, uh, do... Do the fixed interest, oops, I don't know why my screen's going down slowly, um, do fixed interest investments, uh, do they have a capital growth component? Do they go up and down in capital value? Yes or no? Love to see what your chat is. Um, and typically when I'm looking at this side, I'm really talking about these two here, bonds and fixed interest. Do they go up and down in value? Y or N? Yes or no? What do you reckon? interested to know your thoughts. Um, We're getting to the tail end of this, so I'll get to the point really, really quick so everyone can get on with the rest of their days. 
But I'd love to know a little why or N as to whether these things go up and down in value. Do they go up and down in value? Yes or no? Julie says yes. What do you guys reckon? Is Julie right? Is Julie the only one game enough to make a call on this one? Shelly's saying yes, they do. Brad says yes, they do. Yes. So you guys are smarter than the average bear, right? Um, I'll let you know why, right? Most people believe that they don't. So what doesn't go up and down in value is uh, cash and term deposits, right? They aren't capital in nature typically. But if you want to redeem your bond early or, sorry, your term deposit early, then they'll hit you with a penalty, Uh, typically, or they won't pay back your interest. So one would say that it does actually have a capital component. Cash typically doesn't. You put it in, you draw it out. One would argue that if these amounts aren't over and above the amount of inflation, then they're eating away at your capital, eating away at what you could spend, but I'm not going to talk to that today. Uh, But let's have a look at the major part of the portfolio because typically a balanced portfolio, well, even to start off with isn't balanced because most most people define a balanced portfolio as a 60-40 portfolio, uh, which means that it has 60% in assets, in growth assets, so shares, um, hedge funds, commodities, um, all of the stuff which we just went through. And then we've got 40% that's in defence, 40% in defence. So why have the, these portfolios typically, because investment markets have been pretty, 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 um, pretty crazy more recently. Uh, they've been very fluctuating a lot. The US market came off significantly. Um, oh, my pencil's running out of lead by the looks of it. <laughs> um, so this defensive part of the portfolio, in theory, is meant to protect your portfolio when markets are volatile and negative because this growth stuff, this growth stuff that's over here, this blue growth stuff like that, you know, equity markets can be very, very volatile. You know, you can, and they have been quite volatile recently. You know, so you could, depending on where you are in the in the portfolio, they can be quite aggressively up and down. Sorry, team, for some reason my iPad's having a little bit of a, a fit. Um, so you can see that, you know, that these can be highly volatile, get the ending and the beginning right, and most people will make the difference up in the middle. Um, Highly volatile. So the defensive part is meant to be very slow and steady and is meant to protect you when markets go down. So here's the rub. These portfolios have actually had a double whammy recently. The double whammy is, and if you're listening to the last couple of Wealth Coffee chats, and this will be interesting to, to see if you guys remember, if interest rates go up, what do bond values do? If interest rates go up, what do bond values do? What does the value of a bond do? All right, so let's just say over the last 12 months, markets have been negative. So your, your growth assets have done negative, let's go negative 5%. Yep, 100%. Everyone's got it. Kel nailed it. Yep, Jeff, they drop 100%. You guys are getting it. Julie, they go down 100%. Tim, on the button. Luke, they go down. Jeff, hence the bank fiasco. Yep, that's exactly what I'm getting at. 
and bonds lose money? Yes, potentially, right? So if you were to sell that bond and we went through this, well done, gang, 100%, 100%, top of the class. So if you wanted to sell those bonds into the market because interest rates have gone up, you can buy a bond of the same quality but at a higher interest rate then what that does is it devalues the bonds that have a lower interest rate, right? So there is a capital position. Now, the rub is if we've got, and this is called duration, if we've got two years on the bonds or if we've got one year on the bond or like our mates in Silicon Valley did, you know, five to seven years in our portfolio, What happens is you will not lose money on those bonds unless you are forced to sell them, right? Let me repeat that. You will not lose money It's on those bonds unless you are forced to sell them. If you sold them in the market, then they would have a capital devaluation, right? You would get less back for them. If you paid $100,000, you would get less than $100,000 back. And that's why in your defensive part of your portfolios, more recently, they've been performing quite poorly. And you're saying, well, hang on, Andy, this doesn't make sense, right? This doesn't make sense. The defensive part of the portfolio is suffering negative returns. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying at the moment, in theory, right? And in their unit price, which is priced you know, daily or monthly or whatever, depending on the fund that you're in. But yes, that they will value that policy or that bond at a lower value and as such your defensive part of your portfolio where it owns these bonds is going to be you know suffering some negative returns in the medium term or maybe even the short term and so here's what we need to know about it and here's what we need to, to to look to in order to be able to understand and also to make sure that we don't make silly decisions now right because let's just say negative five negative four percent and you're going, geez, that doesn't make sense. So the whole portfolio is done, you know, negative four and a bit percent um, as a whole. And you're thinking, well, the defensive part's meant to, to balance out the portfolio returns. Well, it did for 30-odd years as interest rates were going down because bond prices went up. And as interest rates kept on dropping and dropping and dropping, the, the value of the bond actually went up. So we had 30 years where nobody even thought about this dynamic because it was all trending in the right direction, right? Now, interest rates have gone up. Yes, that defensive part of the portfolio notionally, right, notionally is potentially losing money if it's invested in bonds. What we don't want is we don't want them to be invested here. We don't want them to be invested long unless they've got an extraordinary interest rate on it because that means we have to hold that bond within the fund for seven years in order to get our 2% return. Not a great investment, right, when we can get, you know, three or four or five today. So... What we want is we want our investment managers to have shorter-term bond positions, right, Uh, because that means those bonds will mature, the cash goes back in, and they can buy bonds at a higher rate. Give me a why if that makes sense. Um, So what you really need to be considering when you're having a look at your portfolios, because some people go, well, geez, I better jump straight back into really aggressive investments. Well, you should invest based on your risk profile, but understand as if interest rates or when interest rates stabilise and then go back down, well, these bonds will hold their value and they will return the cash into the fund. Right? They actually will return the cash into the fund. If you pull out of the position, 
then you will crystallize the loss on the defensive side of the portfolio. All right. Now, hopefully this is landing and making sense because a good manager, and if we go, if we make a few assumptions here, just to illustrate the point, if we say that we don't have any exposure down here, we don't have long exposure, we've only got short exposure, right? And perhaps we're buying a few bonds in the next, you know, few interest rate cycles whereby we think that, you know, bond prices might start to come back down again. Um, if we've got short-term bonds, well, we know they're going to mature soon and we can redeploy those funds into the market in the next one to two years. Um, we, If we believe interest rates are going down and we're buying, you know, two to three-year bonds, um, then those bonds will actually start to make money again. It all happens in cycles. And so we need to be aware of this because if you are a defensive investor, you're probably going, well, or, you know, 50% defensive investor, you're probably going, well, hang on, why is the portfolio negative where the really aggressive funds are actually positive? doesn't make any sense. The reason being is that potentially at the moment some of your defensive positions are going to be showing a loss, right, because on the unit price, which is what calculates and shows you what the value of your investments are, it might be showing a loss at the moment. But in actual fact, as those bonds mature, the capital will come back into the fund so happy days, and then can be redeployed into interest rates, hopefully at a higher level. And then if and when interest rates then go down, or truly when interest rates go down, those assets which are bought with higher interest rate values as interest rates drop, then your bonds will get a higher interest rate on income and a higher return into the future. So hopefully this makes sense. Does that make sense, gang? Like whack a yes, a Y in the chat if it makes sense. Put a N if it doesn't. Or if you just go, I'm confused, write in, I'm confused. Uh, but ultimately, defense is still defensive, but for a period of time in rising interest rates, it can actually look like the fund is not performing well. And the questions that you really need to then ask of your fund managers uh, or your super fund is, you know, of the defensive part of the portfolio, you know, how much is in... Uh, what is the duration of most of the bonds that we've got in there? Uh, and, you know, uh, how long do we have to, to run these out? Are you looking at liquidating them? You mightn't be able to get all of those answers depending on what sort of fund you're in, um, but hopefully you can. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, I love this stuff. This is all bonds um, and uh, and derivatives. It was one of my passions uh, when I stopped being a muse, I believe it or not, went from music into uh, bonds and treasury operations. So, gang, that's kind of how it operates. That's how your portfolios operate, whether you're in industry fund world, whether you're in retail insure, uh, retail superannuation world, whether you've got a diversified portfolio outside of super uh, and in your personal name or in a trust. That's how, uh, how, how it operates. And important to know, especially in times like this, because the last thing you want to really do is start to liquidate those positions when um, potentially the market starts to turn around and those positions start to give you capital positive movements um, rather than capital negative movements. Moves a little bit slower than the equity markets um, at times, um, slightly more predictable at times, um, but uh, but ultimately it's a long game. You take a short-term view, then you're going to get, well, it's a 50-50 chance, isn't it? You're going to get crushed or you'll do really well. But uh, over time, you have to be extraordinarily lucky if you want to play a short-term game at it. So the overarching theme of this, pick a strategy that works for you, have the right blend of assets that works for your risk profile. Understand that almost all assets go up and down 
Um, some of them, just if you hold them to maturity, they'll give you all of your money back plus the interest rate, but they might get a, a, a lower representation over time. But ultimately, as all of you guys know, uh, we invest for the shorter long-term gain. Is it short or long? What do we do? Do we invest for short or long? Whack it in the chat. You've got 100% so far, team, so um, so hopefully you get all of this this right. And I'll wait for the first one to come through. Kelly, 100% on the button. It's a long-term game. Pick a strategy uh, that is going to work for you in the long term. Uh, Julie's hedging her bet. She's going both. Uh, and for the for the topic of this, I'm going to say it's it's long, uh, but you, you you do need to have strategies in the short term as well if you're looking at you know transitioning. Uh, but I've uh, over for the most part, it's long. Pick the strategy that works for you. Hold on. Make sure that it's right. Do your research. Uh, don't try and jump in and out and be, pretend like you know what you're doing because even the best in the world struggle when it comes to this. So, gang, that's it for the, the coffee chat this morning. I don't actually have a coffee with me. Um, uh, <laughs> too, too old for long. No, you're not, Julie. No, you're not. It's uh, it's building up the legacy. But there is an exit plan, right, and, and it's important with investments that you do look at the end game. And uh, a really good point there, Jules. Perhaps we shall go into it in another Wealth Coffee chat. But for this morning, that's me. Enjoy your coffee. Jules, you're not too old. You're just the perfect right uh, time in your life to be doing exciting things, and I know that you do that. Uh, but for me, that's see you from me. Uh, sorry I couldn't bring you a picture of Jason. He was going to make a little bit of a, uh, an appearance but uh, didn't, get the, uh, didn't get the message through. So hopefully Sammy will send something through to you tomorrow. But for me, it's out for me, gang. See you at Wealth, Wine and Wisdom or on a, a Wealth Coffee chat soon. Really enjoyed hanging out with you guys. Look forward to doing it again. Have a great Tuesday. It is Tuesday, isn't it? Tuesday, the 20, uh, 21st of March. Have a cracking day, cracking week. We'll see you all real soon. <laughs>